Thanks for joining us. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. You are now tuned in to this episode of our podcast. Today we are going to interview some of the greatest and most influential minds in our field. And now, please welcome your host. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Welcome back to the program, Mom. Zev Brenner. have a little bit of a cold, so please excuse my voice tonight. We're very pleased to be here with you. And we have a whole group of people talking about Pesach programs and the Atlantic City Pesach Tobacco. Elon Kornblow, who publishes Great Kosher Restaurants, he has his finger on the kosher pulse, what's happening, kosher travel, kosher dining, he's been doing for so many years. So thank you for joining us. Now you've been on top of this story too. So I know you're speaking to us from Mexico, so we appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. So you've been covering stories of Pesach programs for years, kosher restaurants, kosher food. But I know that some of the people that you subscribe, people subscribe to, you have a very popular Facebook group and other web sites where people can access your information. So how do you see this story? Because a lot of people have been talking about it. We've had so many downloads. Through Pesach, I was in the Hudson Valley, and that's all people were talking about. So this is not new, unfortunately. I think we've we've seen it um, off and on last several years, where there's been programs that either have uh, canceled right before. Um, there's been problems, you know, um, in the past, and so unfortunately, this this has happened. You don't want it to happen to anyone uh, out there. And but um, this is this is a little bit different. This is a little bit uh, murkier because we don't know exactly what happened. Uh, I don't know what happened. None of us know what happened except for the operator. And so I don't want to come on here and and tell you what I think happened because I don't know. Um, But I I would like to talk more about the real victims and those who uh, were, you know, out tens of thousands of dollars. And uh, my whole take has been, you know, with Heshi, I don't think he's been contrite. I don't think he's even apologized. And this is what I, I wrote on my Facebook post. Uh, I haven't taken sides. I haven't given my opinion of what I think happened. Because I don't, again, I don't know what happened. Um, but I, I do think that there's been a, a really bad um, PR move, unfortunately, with him. That he he talks on video and puts it out there. He makes statements, but he doesn't talk to the guests. And so what I wanted to do was get the guests who were basically out uh, tens of thousands of dollars a week before Pesach. And I said, you know what? No one is there helping them. You know, they've been told, you hope to get the money back. We'll try to get the money back. And so I started a WhatsApp chat and I put it out there and I said, is anyone who is a booked guest and who has left, you know, a deposit money uh, for this program to please join this chat. And I was very careful to look, you know, who is joining this chat. I, everyone who looks to join, I asked them, are you a booked guest? Uh, if you're not, you know, please don't join. And this is just for booked guests to see, you know, and have them talk to each other. Almost like um, 
the therapy chat, unfortunately, a lot of them are have been crying. A lot of them feel they've lost fifty thousand dollars. And so we have this chat with about twenty-eight, I believe, and I'm sure there are you know dozens more that maybe if they're listening and they can reach out to you or me, and then we'll send them a link and they can join it. And just kind of sharing stories of you know how they what they dealt with and a lot of times they they wired money none of them really gave credit cards so they weren't able to cancel credit cards um so we're not you know right now we are just gathering information uh we're waiting to see what heshi is going to do right now there's been no communication between heshi and the guests since before pesach or a few days before pesach and you know i i actually um got a message from heshi and his wife um during holomoed they cursed me out, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, again, I weren't, ta- I wasn't even taking sides. I asked them to apologize. That's as far as I went. And I felt that, uh, you know, they need to be more contrite and uh, and say they screwed up, whether it was on purpose or not. Over here that I did invite Heshi to Heshi Goldstein from Aria Hospitality to join us on this program tonight as we're speaking he didn't want to come on. He claimed that he's working with the FBI. He got some money back, getting more money back. He doesn't want to come on until something concrete. Um, he's, he did speak to me, communicate with me through South Africa, where he's spending the pace of vacation. I will. Which people are not too happy about, by the way. I'm going to play what his statement on South Africa is, because uh, he basically um, posted a message. I from the Aryan Hospitality Group. I'm here to respond to the multiple pictures that were sent to me of myself and my family spending Pesach in South Africa. As much as I would have loved to be at my own program, I'm very fortunate that I have a very good friend here that is running a small program and invited us to come and spend Pesach with him. I told him I would love to come. It's just not possible. Tickets are costing way too much for me right now. We left there that. The next day, I received a phone call from a total, total stranger. I never met him. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know who I am. But he heard of the story. And he asked me, Hashi, where are you for Pesach? I said, I don't know. I have I would have been invited to a good friend. He said to me, no problem. I want, wanted my name, my wife's name, the kid's name. The next thing I know, there are tickets and a car ready, ready for me to t- take me to the airport. While we're in such, you know, darkness and we don't see any light, we have so many unanswered questions. There are good people out there. I want you to know there are really good people out there. And again, I said it last time, people calling me, but giving me lawyers and an FBI agent that have worked on a similar case to ours and have been very successful. We are working with them and we hope after Pesach to have good news. But in the meantime, let it be a good lesson for all of us. Stay away from Lashon Hara. Stay away from Rechila. Okay, there you heard the Heshi Goldstein the t- talking from South Africa about that. I do have to say that I did get reports from people that they, it might be legitimate that somebody sent them the airline tickets, that somebody sent them $10,000 for the airline tickets, who was unaware of the whole debacle mm-hmm. with Atlantic City. I'm just trying to be fair. To both sides, I did get some documentation from Heshi. We'll talk about that during the course of this broadcast. We'll see if it's valid documentation. Well, that's subject to the jury. But we're just here to report on all the facts. 
as well. Uh, let me welcome Donnie Schwartz, Passover Listings, is also with us right now. We'll hear from Yossi Zablocki and others during the course of this program as well. So, Donnie, Shavuot Tov to you. Thank you for joining us as well. Yeah, happy to be here, Zev. Thank you. You cover everything. Have you ever seen anything like this, the Backle, in Atlantic City? No, no, we haven't. Um, you know, obviously, this is just, you know the first year in Atlantic City, but you know, we haven't we haven't seen anything like this from from Heshi. Um, you know, in in the past, uh, specifically him. Uh, uh, so that this is a first. Uh, but look, I mean, I think to be honest with you, I think a lot of this will. Yeah, this takes time, right? If this really, truly happened, right? And obviously, you have to give everybody uh, some some level of the benefit of the doubt here. You know, these things take time to uh, figure out. You know how um, these people can get their money back and obviously repay their debts. I mean, everything. Look, I've spoken with Heshi many, many times, and every single time was like, I want to get the money back. I need to get the money back now. Look, to to be honest with you, the you know the way he's coming off and saying things is probably not the best, but that's, that's, you know, sometimes just people in general, right. You know, in terms of what they say and how they're coming off. Right. I look, I don't like you said, I think we don't know the whole story yet and what the situation is. And I think we will know the whole story once, once it comes down to it. But my hope is that everyone gets repaid fully. And I hope that he's working on that with the FBI and, um, and the, and the parties in that, in this whole situation, right? I mean, that, that's the situation that I think that we need to, to get through. And it, it's going to take probably, uh, I would have to say weeks, if not months. I mean, we saw this happen during COVID, Zev, um, you know, when COVID hit and, you know, a lot of programs had to go get their money back from various factors. Obviously this is a different situation. Don't get me wrong, but there's, there's similarities in that situation as well that you can kind of put here that, uh, they need to uh, work with the hotels and the FBI to figure out what the situation is. If, if again, this this was a, uh, a true uh, matter. Uh, let, me, where... let me ask you, Elon. It seems to me that people are angry during COVID because they feel they've been scammed. People feel that. I think their reactions are different than, let's say, during COVID, where operators were struggling, legitimately struggling, because they were shut down because of the pandemic. Yeah, there's a you know again there's a lot of rumors and uh, things being said about how who knew when you know and what did they know was it a few weeks before um, and there's a lot of stuff going around of past dealings and with vendors and again I don't want to um, say anything without knowing the exact but there's a lot of smoke um, going on but again um, the most important right now is that. There are victims out there that have not gotten any information whatsoever. And so, and again, if Hedge is watching, I just wish that he would be more sincere and, and apologize to the guests, you know, and say that, again, I messed up. Whether it was true or not, whatever the case is, these guys are out money. And so he needs to speak to the guests. Stop doing videos. And stop doing statements. Speak to the guests who have been hurt. Tell them the details. Leave everyone else out of it. Tell them what FBI agent they're talking to. Give them something. They just don't get promises. Like, we hope to you know, send you money. We hope to get this resolved. Give them, work with them. You know, 
they, 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 you owe yeah. that to them. Yeah, I, I, I look just to add to Elon Musk. I fully agree with that. You know, um, I, I've spoken with a lot of uh, people as well who were supposed to attend his program this year, uh, and then frankly, who attended his program in the past. And obviously, look, you know, we all know it's 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 an unfortunate situation, right? And and everyone's uh, angry and upset. Um, there are also a lot of people on the other spectrum that um, are also uh, giving him, you know, a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, letting him kind of get through things, uh, get through pace off, right? Kind of work through things, kind of figure things out and, and get the and try to get the money back as quickly and as fast as possible. Um, but I do agree. I think, you know, there definitely should be more communication to the people that were uh, put down money, right? And and to the guests. So that way they feel comfortable and they, you know, there's a develop, develop really a, a trust situation there as well so absolutely well well, the question though do we have any handle gentlemen about how many people were scheduled to be on the program so yeah yeah so you know there there was from from my recollection there there was there was going to be um uh, you know, a few hundred people on the program. I don't know how many rooms that entailed, right, and things of that nature. I know firsthand people going and ready to go on the program. I think we've, you know, um, and, you know, they were they were promoting this program pretty, um, you know, globally, uh, you know, to everyone. Um, and, you know, they were really kind of going out, you know, with the entertainment and with the programming and everything. So people were, you know, if if the program happened, it would have been a nice program. Um, and uh, from my recollection, it was a couple hundred people. Okay. From what Yossi said on the program last week, Heshi, I should say, said on the program last week, he mentioned about 500 people. I spoke to other people that said may have been maybe 100 people. Obviously, the registration wasn't what anticipated because a week before the program, there were full-page ads in Jewish newspapers, which seemed to indicate he was looking to fill up. Yeah, I mean, look, Joseph, I mean, I know just from the advertising standpoint, I'm sure you'll have to speak to this as well. Look, I, I know programs that, that advertise in papers, you know, or online or wherever up until, you know, the, the drop dead date, right, um, you know, for wait lists. Uh, I agree, you know, that, again, there's a lot of, this, this, you know, things that could look, right odd out there but there's many programs that advertise up until Pesach right I don't know if that's a certain factor right? you know taking out a full page ad or if that was what neg- what was negotiated already with the editor and the publisher from that paper to begin with who knows those details right I don't know I'm just saying what it looks like and we'll continue our conversation uh, we're looking at the Atlantic City Pesach tobacco where the program was canceled a week before the uh, holiday of Passover, leaving at least 100 people stranded, didn't get their money back. Some of them were saved all year to go on this program. We had the proprietor of Ari Hospitality that ran the program was, was on with us right before the Passover holiday. You can watch it on YouTube. Go to Talkline with Zev Brenner on YouTube. You can watch. We did invite him to appear on the broadcast tonight. He did not choose to appear on the show. We said it's important because he's in South Africa. The optics doesn't look good where people were stranded and he's in South Africa. But I think 
behoove him to come and explain what's going on. Our doors are open. We feel it's important because people have lost money on this program and they need to be made whole. There's no question about that. It's probably over a million dollars, maybe more, that people have lost that have paid for this program. We're going to continue our conversation. We're speaking with Elon Kornblum. He's great kosher restaurants. He also knows about the kosher food. He knows about travel, kosher travel, which Pesach falls under that purview. And, of course, Donnie Schwartz is so we're listening. So anything you want to know about Pesach, he's there. He'll put us together our last program. So we're very appreciative, gentlemen, to both here with you on our broadcast tonight. Talk line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program, Mom. Zev Brenner, looking at the great Pesach debacle of Atlantic City Pesach program. Aria Hospitality, we covered it before the Yantif holiday, now we're covering it in the aftermath to see what is going on. We've been speaking with Elon Kornblum of Great Kosher Restaurants Magazine, and of course, Donnie Schwartz has passed over listings, anything dealing with Pesach. Yossi Zablocki joins us. He is the owner of Destination 613, ran a very successful Pesach program, which I participated in uh, at the Hudson Valley Resort in Catskills, New York. So, Thank all of you for being here. Let me turn to you, Yossi. We've been looking at this year's Pesach program, but in context of when you're dealing with an operator, you have to also look at past years. You've had some interaction with Ari Hospitality in years past, uh, did you not? First I all, did. Zev, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Go ahead. Yes, I can okay, hear you. Yeah. I, I've had dealings with, uh, with Heshi Goldstein in the past, yes. Okay, so tell us what happened, because in the context for this year, people are saying, was there a bang for it? Now, just to tell our audience what the owner of the program has alleged is that right before the Passover holiday, he discovered that monies that he thought he was wiring to the hotel was being wired to somebody who represented the hotel instead of dealing with the Claridge Hotel. There was an R added to it, and the money was wired to a third party. I think it was in Nigeria or wherever it was. And when he discovered what happened, the program was canceled. The hotel wouldn't let him proceed. That's the story that he alleges. He claims that the FBI is investigating. If that's happening or not, I've heard different stories about it. But you had interactions in your past. We're trying to get clarity as to what this whole program was about. Is it Was he being scammed or is there a hoax over here so that's what we're trying to ascertain so yes you were telling us about your experience uh, uh with the writer of the ari hospitality program right so I, I have no knowledge about this year's pesach program i can only give you completely confirmed factual knowledge of things that i'm aware of in the past um i am aware that that uh, heshi goldstein or 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 his group did file one of his LLCs or Heshi Goldstein himself did file did file for personal um, bankruptcy or some sort of bankruptcy. Uh, I think it was a year ago. I don't have the exact date, but I know for a fact that he filed bankruptcy. And why do I know this? I know this because I receive a notification every two, three weeks, every month from the bankruptcy court. Um, that he is fighting in in bankruptcy court or the bankruptcy court that has taken over whatever finances he's involved in. Now, why do I receive this notification? Because I happen to be one of the creditors who had sued him and received the judgment against him in the past for one of his shenanigans in the past. And so the bankruptcy court notifies me because he technically owes me money. Um, 
I haven't done much to run after him after I got the court paper signed by the court because he owes people much more money. I believe that the proceeding that led him to bankruptcy court was for in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And mine is is less than $10,000. So I receive notice as an official creditor. And every two, three weeks, my lawyer received notification that that we're, we can come to bankruptcy court and try to collect some of our money. Um, but I do that receive that notification every few weeks or so. Now, why does he? Why do I have a a judgment against him? A, a few years ago, I was running a shavuos program, and he sent up guests that were booking directly with him. He sent up guests to my program. He had taken the money from those guests, and then he was supposed to turn that money over to me. So the guests show up at the program, and he's supposed to be coming as well to be their host. Um, again, this is all factual information. He's supposed to be driving up, and he had sent me part of the money by credit card. Now, I have a copy of his driver's license, and I have a copy of a credit card that says on it, has she Goldstein? And he had sent me about $9,000 or so on this credit card. That was not all the money for these guests. That was just part of the money because there were about 15 guests. So it's going to be more than $9,000. Um, I tell him that I'm not going to check his guests into my program until he pays me in full. And he was bringing up the money. Lo and behold, instead of coming up to the program to bring me the money, and instead of, instead of paying the balance for these guests that he collected the money for, they were not people I ever emailed. They're not people I knew. He had booked them as a group leader running initially his own Shavuos program, but that didn't work out. So he had them at my hotel. Um, it's sort of not so different than any of his guests. This Pesach, we took money from, and then he sends them to a different hotel. Um, but he has the money. The guests show up. I'm, they want to check in. He has the money. He's supposed to be there. And in the end, he doesn't show up. He turns his car around when I tell him that he has to pay in full, turns the car around, goes someplace else. He never shows up, never sends the rest of the money. Anyhow, I check the guests in. I check them all in. Um, they don't have to pay me a second time. That is confirmed. There is one guest who pays me a second time. Remember, all these guests have paid him already. They are not looking to spend money again. I don't actually charge them. He thinks that I've charged them because I'm explaining to him that, that I'm going to charge them again. He has to bring the money up just to keep the pressure on him. But none of them pay a second time. There's no bank records that would ever show that they pay a second time, except for one guest who, with coordination with me, paid me a second time so that he could take Heshi to Dintora, which he did because now he's paid twice. And he won $2,000 from Heshi at Dintora. So he didn't lose anything in the end because he took Heshi to Dintora, won the $2,000. So he also only paid once to the program. He paid me and he got his money back from Heshi. Um, and the rest of them, I just checked in and I ate the entire cost. Now, the nine, let's go back to the $9,000 or so that he, that he had sent me with a credit card that says on it Heshi Goldstein. I have a copy of it and a copy of his driver's license. Lo and behold, after Shavuos, he cancels the credit card charge, alleges fraud as if, he, as if I had used a fraudulent card. I used a fraudulent card that said on Heshi Goldstein with a fraudulent driver's license. Again, the same person who just took hundreds of thousands of dollars from all of these Pesach people, the same person who claims that he was defrauded by some other source, and the same person 
who is currently in some sort of bankruptcy proceeding has now canceled this credit card, factual information. Maybe I did create a fraudulent Heshi Goldstein credit card with a fraudulent driver's license um, with his picture on it, by the way. Um, but he cancels the credit card, alleges fraud, and they take the nine, the credit card company takes the $9,000 back because he canceled the charges. So now I have nothing from the guest. I don't have the money that he was bringing up when he didn't show up to the program. And I don't have the $9,000 or so from the credit card charge that he, that he canceled. I do, however, have 15 rooms of his guests that are at my doorstop spending Shavuos by me for free. Not one of them had to pay any extra money. I hosted them all for free. They were going to go after him for the money, try to help me back. That never materialized. So I just ended up eating it. And so I covered all of his guests for Shavuos. Unfortunately, I couldn't cover all of his guests this year for Pesach because that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. But that's all factual information. I then sued him. I got a judgment against him. I can't collect the judgment because he he has nothing to his name. He hides whatever money he might have had. Um, but I can't collect anything because he's in bankruptcy court with creditors that are much larger than me. But I get my notification every few weeks that I should come to bankruptcy court and try to collect the few thousand dollars that I do have as in a judgment. I think it's seven or eight thousand dollars that I have in my judgment. And I can come to bankruptcy court whenever I'd like and get in line with everybody else to try to collect the money. It would probably cost me much more to go to bankruptcy court with an attorney um, and try to collect the seven, eight thousand dollars that I'm never going to see. So I just hold on to my judgment and I get notification every few weeks. And I did I do have a copy of the bankruptcy and I noticed that your name is definitely on there. So no question about that. Okay, we have let's have some phone calls. I believe we have West Orange, New Jersey. Go ahead. Are you you're on the air? Is that is that Schmuel in West Orange, New Jersey? Okay, we'll we'll get we'll get to our phone calls in just a moment. The gentleman, uh, did uh, Elon or Donnie, do you want to comment to what Justice Zabaki was saying? Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Um, we've all seen, and those in the industry have seen a lot of stuff. The past couple of weeks have come out, uh, and uh, it does not look good. And so this is just another um, example of uh, something that in the past been some uh, some bad dealings. Does not bode well for him or for the victims in this case. So um, it's, it's really sad. Okay, we're going to take some phone calls. You're on the air. Go ahead. You're, I think this is West Orange, New Jersey. The West Orange, New Jersey. You have a question for our guest. Go ahead. Hi. Good luck. Good luck. So I wanted to ask, did any of the victims yet go to law enforcement to file a criminal complaint? Um, because it's clear what people could say. They didn't know. They don't eyewitness to see the, the, the man stealing money. But it's, it's obviously clear that's what he did. And he's, he's not only a thief, but he's a sociopath because he gets pleasure out of going making these social media videos and going taking the money to South Africa for a pay suffocation. And, and all I could say is the longer people wait to do it, Every day that goes by, it's going to be harder to get any money back, hopefully, from law enforcement, the FBI. He has to answer questions, but the question should be answered by, by the prosecutor, by police at this point. This is above and beyond, you know, class action suit, you know, being Torahs. This is, this is a guy from Fakewood, New Jersey, who's got a mentality that he can get away with whatever he wants. Well, I think this is a big deal because this 
seems uh, so many people have been affected by it and it got media attention. Uh, so people are very, very vested in the story. So I think the question that's come up is how does this keep happening over and over again? And for some reason in our community, things have happened before. You heard Yossi Zablocki talk about his experience and others. You look online, you'll find the Albany Hotel who also filed a lawsuit where the Shores program was canceled. So there are judgments and they're all kind and there's a personal bankruptcy involved over here. And yet people still going to pro people don't know because nobody knows. But, but I want to well, know. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing. Well, go ahead. Sorry, Shlomo. No one has any of the victims or the guests, let's say the word guests, have any of them gone to law enforcement yet to file a, a criminal complaint so that these, these, these things can be looked into? And look, if by some chance he's, he's telling the truth, he was a victim of a scam, and let the, let the law enforcement, you know, ask him the questions and investigate. That's what they're. That's what they have the resources to do. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, so, I know. I, I know some. This is Donnie for Pastor Lucy. I, I think some people are they're, they're getting you know their uh, um, legal, back and forth what to do, how to do it. It's legal matters. Together, yeah, they're trying to get their legal matters together, figure out what to do, and also it's probably more powerful if they come in together as to go, you know, versus going, you know, one at a time here. But um, I think they're also looking at this as is there a glimmer of hope, right, um, to get the money back, right? I think, look, just just to kind of touch upon, you know, the Shavuos debacle, which Yossi just mentioned, which is horrendous. Um, you know, Shavuos programs, as Yossi knows, they're they're much smaller programs than Pesach programs. Right. So you don't really hear a lot unless things are publicized more over than not. This seems this story seems to be affecting probably um, a lot less people. Right? Typically, there are social media forums out there like Passover program reviews, along with great kosher restaurants out there that, you know, people are able to mention uh, things of this matter. So that way other people, you know, don't get screwed by the same thing happening over and over again. Right. Which is one of the biggest reasons why. We came out with with Passover listings, right? But um, Shavuos programs tend to be a lot smaller. Um, now, I don't know exactly what every single person is doing. I don't know, Elon, if you have a sense of what every single person is doing mm-hmm. out there in terms of legal piece of this matter. But I assume that people are are still, you know, finishing up with Pesach and getting their legal counsels and figuring out what to do um, and figuring out what to do collectively versus individually in some cases as well. Yeah, based based on our WhatsApp chat with uh, dozens of victims, some have reached out to local police in New Jersey that has not been um, fruitful. There's a lot of red tape of who to contact, uh, but we have put out um, some feelers for lawyers and class action uh, suits. Those have been uh, involved. We have some numbers, and uh, I'm going to present it to the, the victims uh, in the chat, and I'm going to have them um, get, be advised by professionals, and we'll work off of that. Again, we hope that we won't have to come to that. We hope that it'll be resolved. Uh, but just in case, um, yes, we have um, a couple of professionals who are going to be speaking to the victims, give them advice. Some have reached out to their own lawyers, but yes, we will probably as a group. Um, which is why I started the chat is for them to talk to each other and uh, yeah, we probably will be um, if this goes on and on, uh, there will be a uh, class action lawsuit So can if I can interject here um, 
So, yes. so a I'm going to come at this from a couple different angles. First of all, I happen to be a criminal attorney, so I have some background in in both uh, criminal defense and law enforcement, and I'm also um, that's that's when I'm not working as a uh, as a Pesach operator, and also I have some some perspective on on the whole past ten years of his finances. I could tell you that you guys, I mean, it's great to organize a class action lawsuit. If, he, if once you win and spend all the money on the class action lawsuit, you're going to be behind all the other creditors trying to collect from somebody who has hidden money and who has filed you know, bankruptcy. And, and I doubt the LLC they paid money to has any money whatsoever to it. So I don't see how that's going to get absolutely anywhere. The only thing that I see possibly working is if the group of people get together and go to law enforcement together because then if, if, if he has to take a plea that requires restitution, that might actually come in front of any type of bankruptcy proceeding and will not, won't have anything to do with whether or not LLCs have funds to them. So I don't think anybody's going to be able to, unfortunately, get their money back unless it's through the criminal justice system as part of a plea negotiation. But how can he get money if he has no money? So is what you're saying, the corporations have no funds. He is in personal bankruptcy. So even if you have a judgment in law enforcement gets involved, doesn't mean he's going to be able to pay back the money. Because I have somebody coming on in just a little bit who invested $700,000. That money has never been repaid. I've called some people who have lost 200000 300000 I'm, it's at least a million dollars just from investors for getting those that in this program or other programs, I just don't see how there is a path unless somebody comes through and says, you know, hey, I'm going to take care of these debts so people are made whole again. No, because if it's part of a, a criminal plea negotiation that he has to work out with, with law enforcement to, to avoid jail time, then he's going to have to come up with the money. Otherwise, he, he can't enter into that plea agreement. Otherwise, he does end up in jail. So it would behoove him. Let's just say, for instance, he, he, he works out an arrangement where he takes a plea to a lower charge, avoids jail time, but has to pay $100,000 as part of the deal. You can't file personal bankruptcy or any kind of bankruptcy afterwards to avoid such a plea. The plea would simply go away. He'd end up in prison. So his lawyers will tell him and his relatives will tell him, you have to now come up with the money and somehow pay that back first. It will actually climb to the top of the ladder rather than be at the bottom of the ladder from the bankruptcy court. And because this is, these are otherwise judgments that are happening after the people he owes money. Again, I'm not trying to take away any money from the people who are standing in line trying to get money from him. And I am one of those people in theory. But I'm simply saying that if it's part of a plea agreement with the court system, then he will have to actually manage to figure out how to execute that plea agreement to avoid jail time, if that's what they work out. That's the only thing that I think can work. And that's the and that will require not just one person making some little complaint against in, in, at, at the local sheriff's office in New Jersey. It would have to be a group of people coming together and taking it either to to uh, the district attorney or taking it to the attorney general or taking it to the FBI as a collective so that they actually see credibly that this guy scammed them. He's not going to I'm assuming he's not going to be able to show any proof that he was scammed himself. I mean, maybe he has it. And if that's the case, the case dies right there. But presumably- so let, me, let, me just say, let me just say this. Hey, I see. I have a letter that he sent me. I, I did make several attempts to say, Heshi, 
come on this program because we're analyzing and doing part two of the Atlantic City Peso Tobacco program. And he left me voice messages saying that he won't come on. He's working with the FBI. He, some of the money's been recovered. He's working getting all the money recovered. That's what he claims. But he sent me a Bank of America notice dated uh, 331, um, uh, sorry, March 31st, where it seems like very close to Pesach, where he, he's alleging that the $70,000 is was fortunately taken from his account. That's what he's claiming as of that date. Again, I don't know if this letter was filed, if it was just... It has a signature on it. I can't tell you because I just saw what he, what he sent me. I'm just presenting some of the information so people could just understand what's going on over here. I'm well, sorry. What's, what's great about this is that is that he, you know, if, if you were a, 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 I'm a criminal defense attorney. I tell my clients to keep their mouths shut. He didn't do that, which means now he's stuck with all of the claims that he's made. He can't change them now. Right. If the cops decide to go research this, he's going to he can't now claim that he lost the money in a different way, that it wasn't Bank of America, that it was he laid out his facts. He laid out his defense. Either he has support for it in writing of how he was defrauded or he doesn't. He can't change his story now. He can't, for instance, come up now and say, I was collecting money, but the program got too expensive. And so we paid all these vendors and then we went belly up. He can't claim that. Because that's not what he has now stated in videos on the radio. He has to now prove that he, in fact, was scammed and he wired money from his account to a different account. And that's where all these people's funds were. He has to prove that he was scammed, not that he is the scam. It was a big mistake for him to make these allegations, to make these statements, unless he was going to be able to support them. If I was his lawyer right now, I would say, Heshi, never say another word. You have the right to remain silent. You keep your mouth shut because now you are limited in how you could defend this case. So this is really quite simple. A group of people need to go over to law enforcement, claim that they were scammed. They need to ask Heshi very simply for these proofs, proof of a wire going to an unknown location, proof of an email that says you should wire the money, and then proof of the wire and proof of the money leaving his account. Either he has it or he doesn't. I, I would say that if he has it, you probably have a copy of it already. But you don't. So he may not be able to prove it. If he can prove it, great. And then this whole story ends. He was scammed. If he can't prove it, he can't come up with anything else at this point. That is his Just defense. Me. Locked himself in. And he'll have to show that, that proof. Otherwise, he's the scam. You see, let me ask you, because I also have been, that's what I've been saying. Keep your mouth shut, you know. What if he does say, you know what, I made I made a big mistake. Yes, it was too expensive. I got over my head. What what happens if he does say, you know what, this is this is the true story? And what will happen at this point? I mean, look, I suppose if he has all the money to return the funds to the guests right now, he might be able to avoid having them file a criminal complaint against him because because they don't want to see him in bigger trouble. So they, if he can give restitution tomorrow, then great, which by the way, he can't do. The bankruptcy court would never let him all of a sudden start giving his money away to other people because they're, they're legitimate um, uh, people with, with judgments against him that are waiting in line. So I don't think it's even possible for him to do that, even if he wanted to, even if somebody right now gave him a half a million dollars and said, avoid your trouble, go give money back to these people. He'd have to do it in a really round the back, 
possibly even criminal way to avoid that money going to the people who have actual judgments against him. But let's say he could somehow do that type of tightrope work. Let's say somebody didn't give it to Heshi. They, they paid everybody back. An anonymous donor came in, paid back money directly. I suppose then he can avoid this mess. Um, I don't see how that's possible. It would have to not pass through his hands because any money that comes into his hands is going to have to go through bankruptcy court. He has to document where he's tent, where he's where his money is going to. It would have to be done in such a you probably have to commit a few crimes in order to be able to pull this off to pay people back at this point. So so I certainly wouldn't recommend that if I was his lawyer. I don't see how this is avoidable. I think the only option is for a group of people to get in front of law enforcement and force the courts, the, the, the criminal courts, to arrange a plea deal that allows that, that, that in that case, it'll be part of the plea deal, it'll be part of a court system, and, and maybe then the court can force him to pay money back through the courts, even though he's in personal bankruptcy. I don't know how else to help the, the victims in this case. Yes, you you get your money back? There is no way I am getting my money back. I have, I have written it off long ago, not officially on a tax return. I mean, I just written off the idea of getting it back um, because there's so many people who, who he owes money to that are, that are standing in line, not necessarily, by the way, before me. I think I came first in terms of actual judgments on the, on the books. I'm probably the first official judgment against him in this industry. I don't know what he owes other people from, from I mean, I, you know, I've gotten phone calls from other people that he owed money to um, that were trying to chase him down you know, years ago and even recently. So I don't know whether, but I think I'm probably the first. But you're, Yossi, you're able, you're able to see, a, you're able to officially see on the books that he does owe money to other people outside you. Because no, it's on the bankruptcy form. I have a copy of that. It does list a whole group of people. I think it's over a million dollars that money is owed to. Um, it's there. It's a public record. Anybody can look it up and find it. Yeah, the, 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 that, that's why I'm being very careful to only give factual information. This is different than somebody calling me up and saying, oh, Heshi owes me money. He didn't pay his advertising bill. Heshi owes me money. He didn't pay his, his food bill. I've gotten those phone calls as well. But I don't know if they're true or not. I mean, when, 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 when five, six, seven, eight people call you up and tell you that Heshi owes you money, you start to believe it. But I can't say that it's true. These are just phone calls that I receive. So I'm, I can factually report that I've gotten phone calls, but I don't know if they're true or not. People might just call me up because they want to talk to me. What is factually true are the people who have judgments against him. Like Zev has said, he's seen the paperwork and he said that I'm one of them. And I'm pretty sure I'm one of the first. But for me to go spend money on a lawyer to try to recoup this in bankruptcy court um, when when, when it will cost me, again, my judgment is not so huge that it will cost me more money to try to recoup my, I've already spent money on lawyers to do this. Jesse, let me ask you, when you say go to law enforcement, it's a very general, can you give me specifics so that I can tell the, the victims, where should they go exactly? What's the next step? I mean, I, look, a local police department is not gonna be able to handle something like this. They're, they're good for, for DWIs, they're good for an assault. This is much larger than that. This is, either has to be the attorney general or it has to be um, the FBI. It, it's not going to happen by walking into the sheriff's office unless you find a really motivated state trooper, you know, who, who wants to who wants to step in over here and do something. It's, it's just not this is so much bigger than anything they deal with. It's got to be going to to a white collar crime division, which New Jersey has. There's white collar crime divisions, but they're not through a local police department. I mean, you might be able to have them 
again, it has to be many people together because if it's just one person, they will be ignored. Um, but if a whole group of people go together in an organized form, ideally with a lawyer who's, who's going to be taken seriously, um, then they, they would probably wake up. And I think it's either the FBI or, or, the, or the, uh, the attorney general, the, the U.S. attorney, mm-hmm. whatever they have in New Jersey. Um, well, let's pause over here. We're speaking and we're looking at the great, well, not a controversy about the great debacle that took place in Atlantic City, Pesach program, which was called Ari Hospitality. People lost a lot of money. And uh, we're looking at it. And you just heard uh, speaking is Yossi Zablocki. He is his own program, Destination 613. Uh, he's part of people that are owed money by the proprietor of our hospitality group. And we were looking at what happened in Atlantic City. Elon Kornblum was great kosher restaurants magazine. And Donnie Schwartz is passable listings, definitive about passive. When we come back, we continue our conversation. You're listening to Talk Line with Zeb Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. And we're back. Zev Brenner here with you, looking at the great Pesach debacle in Atlantic City at the Claridge Hotel, where the program was canceled a week before Passover. It was run through Ari Hospitality, alleging fraud that he received a, a notice to wire money to a different address than other than the hotel. He inadvertently didn't realize that. He was scammed, not that he's scamming other people. Uh, he's currently in South Africa. We invite him to appear on this broadcast, and uh, he did appear right before the holiday. And he's claiming that he's working with the FBI to retrieve the money. He retrieved some of the money he claimed to me, and he's working getting the rest. But we're seeing that this is a pattern, might be a pattern here. And we've been talking uh, earlier with uh, Yossi Zablocki. He's with um, the Destination 613. They run very successful pro. Yossi, how many years are you doing it already? About 15 years. 15 years. I was on the program, very successful. He's at the Hudson Valley. This pays up. Donnie Schwartz is with Passover, actually Passover listings, anything Passover. He knows Elon Cormac, great kosher magazine, but they cover everything, kosher food, kosher travel, you name it. And we're now joined in Los Angeles by Sinai Rubin, who is an investor with Heshi Goldstein with Ari Hospitality, Ari Tours, and he brought in over $700,000 worth of investments. He himself uh, by the way, is involved in community work. Formerly, he was an addict. He's now involved in helping people with addiction problems and doing a lot of charitable work as well. So, Sonny, welcome. Thank you for joining our conversation. So, you invested with Heshi Goldstein and RA, whether it, was hospita- it wasn't hospitality, maybe RA Tours. You brought in some of the money. You helped him, I guess, go from just the tones to Pesach program. Am I correct? Yes. So tell us um, about your yeah. involvement. Tell us about, the, from your perspective, what's going on. Um, I have a bit of an interesting perspective just because I, I happen to be the first one that got involved with Heshi um, in the first PSAP program that he actually completed successfully. And where was um, the program held? That was in the Sheraton. Sheraton in New Jersey. Yeah. So tell us about your involvement and... I think last time on the program, he alluded to you. He attacked you on this program, saying you're not real. He threw you out. So what's happening? Um, what's happening? There's a lot going on. Um, would you like me to start from where I met him or 
Well, just tell us yeah. how you met him. How did, how did you put in $700,000? You got people to put him in that car. That's not chicken. That's not, that's a pretty significant amount. Right. So I actually met him through um, a friend of mine, Yehuda Green. I mean, the singer. Um, the singer. He's a great guy. Nothing to do with this. You're fantastic. Um, I know Yehuda for many years. He's a man of integrity. I post him. Um, great, great, great person. Um, I went actually with him to one of. Uh, Ashley's programs. Um, it was a really nice Shabbaton. He put it together really nicely. Uh, we were all very impressed. And I think like maybe two or three other events, um, I ended up going with a bunch of uh, family and friends. Um, and I was pretty impressed with him. And um, I guess I was looking at doing a Pesach program uh, just with certain people. Um, and it ended up um, spiraling into renting the whole hotel. And asking Hashi to cater it. And at a certain point, I actually made him a partner. But yeah, that's how I. He was a partner. He was a partner with you. He was a partner. He was hired by me. But he did the program. And how did the program work? Was it successful? Did people get paid? Tell us about it. I guess success is relative by, I guess, what, what viewpoint you have as a customer. Um, I happen to know Hashi in a very intimate, and I, I spent a lot of time with him, so I know the way his brain works a little bit. Um, he, at, at a certain point, while um, in the initial stages, I guess, of um, my interaction with Hashi, I found out by another friend of mine that he had invested with him the year before. Um, I think it was an amount of about $200,000. And the program was canceled. Now, that, that was a COVID year, so I didn't really make much of it. Um, and when I originally brought him on, I created a budget um, in order to ensure that I had the Pesach environment that I wanted, and also that it would at least break even, if not be profitable. So when I brought him on, I gave him a very specific budget, and I put him in charge of catering and anything food-related. Um, at a certain point, because he already had a structure set up to take um, payments and market, um, I allowed him to market his own um, hospitality group or whatever he was advertising under at the time, just because I didn't really have any foreseeable future in doing this as a business. But I didn't mind losing a little bit of money, but um, the structure I created was at least to break even. Um, I did bring on some investors initially, um, and we put him into business. Uh, we, I went down with him originally, and I think it was about a week or two later, um, we sent the initial deposit for the hotel. Um, and Heshi is very good at managing Chabatel. Problem is, when it comes to larger events, um, I ended up, I had my own staff with me. I ended up um, having him use most of my staff for sales, for marketing, for graphics. Um, at a certain point, my, my own house turned into an office, and I had five girls working in my office. Um, so all the money and all the investment, all the planning was done by me. Uh, I actually didn't lay out a penny. On your last show, he said something about the fact that um, the people that lost money the first year were able to come for free or at a discount. That's something that I only found out way after. So 
any discount that he gave to any customer at that time was done on somebody else's money. Was that was that on your money? Um, when people came free or got a discount, was that off your cash? I have a bit of litigation right now, so I have to be. Uh, I have to be a little bit um, careful what I say. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's what no, so what? So you're saying, so you're out, you and your partners are out $700,000. That's what you're saying right now. Well, the, the actual crazy part about this is, you know, he alleged something that I I called or I gave, like, uh, I told a bunch of people to come to the RFA stuff. And it's 100% true. I mean, I have to admit to that. Um, so it was kind of a little bit, I mean, it could have been chaotic. But I already had pre planned and I had booked 370 rooms, even though um, the hotel had certain restrictions for COVID. They were more defined to the eating um, and it didn't really take into uh, account like the extra rooms. So, assuming the dining room was only able to seat 600, they just announced 700 to be like two days before the hug. And I reached out to anybody who I felt needed a place. Um, and yes, there were over 100 people that came. Because so he was alleging that you were bringing people to the program that you shouldn't have. I think that's what he said on the program right before Pesach. Well, he said, I, I'm not sure if it was me and my partner that the um, all-life addict. I, I mean, he said it about me. That, that was about me. But, um, I'm not really sure what, what he said. What he said. Now, you're in litigation to get back your $700,000. Um, I don't actually have access to the books. I know what I laid out. I know what was projected to come in. Um, and you know, there's another thing, there's a lot of things that people should know. First of all, you're not getting money. Um, any credit that he ever gave to people were done on new investors. And the way the structure works, like it's very simple. He does these events, he's been doing it for many, many years, and he pays um the vendors that he wants to do business with. He has the LLCs already set up that he can go bankrupt with, and the investors are left holding the money and um, the, uh, the vendors that he doesn't want to do business with. And then in the future, what he does, if, if he does another event, let's say for my event, let's say I gave him a $600,000 contract. When he's bringing me $70,000 for chicken or something, I have no idea what he already owed his vendors from the year before. I'm not overseeing that part. He hires his father for $50,000 or his brother at $30,000 major D. So I went in with the assumption he's going to bring his expertise to me, but instead he was, and it was kind of my fault because I wasn't really on top of the money. There were hundreds of thousands of dollars coming in every week. Um, and at a certain point, I actually told one of my investors to uh, have to approve any expenses that went out. But I guess he was charmed. Um, let me turn to let me turn to Yossi Zablocki. Now, from what I'm understanding, we're looking at this year's Pesach debacle as well as past years. <clears throat> for what I've been told, is none of the vendors had had an actual order for food, for wine, groceries. So, when you order for Pesach, don't you have to order many months in advance? Can you just call in the last minute and get a Pesach order? Yeah, it, it's it's impossible to order stuff last minute you have to if you're really serious about running your program you have to be ordering things way in advance first of all the bakery orders um you have to for sure be ordering in advance because 
they, they're baking specifically for you. They're not just baking because they could use it after Pesach. They, they can't do anything with that, with those food items after Pesach. So the bakery order for one has to be coming, uh, whether it's two months or six weeks or, or, or three months, you have to order that in advance. In advance, I know that I personally had to pay 50% of my, um, my bakery order um, in advance. Um, I guess every... Every baker is different in that regard, but I paid for 50% of an advance and 50% when they were finally ready to, to deliver. And I, I've worked with a number of different bakeries. It tends to be how they structure it. And if you're really um, giving a, a legitimate bakery order that you're serious about, you're paying for that in advance. Um, likewise, things like uh, candy for, for Pesach, which they also can't be um, using afterwards, you have to buy um, and pay a deposit for those items in advance. Something like, like I suppose, uh, poultry and fish, I suppose you could sort of try to wing that and, and pay for that last second. There's, there's enough distributors that might have poultry. Again, if it's a huge order, you're going to be in trouble. But in theory, you could try to wait. Um, again, I, I do these also months in advance. But I suppose you could try to skate a bit and pick up those orders towards the end. You're not going to get the product you want. You're not going to be able to get the product with the same ashtacha, the same numbers. It's going to be very, very hard. But at least in theory, they will have product that they could send you and you might be able to wait. Certainly not a week before Pesach. It's absolutely impossible. Um, but if you want to wait for a few weeks before Pesach and end up with a different product, then I suppose you could try to wait till the last second. Um, but really, if you're really serious, you have to be making those payments in advance. I had paid for my my uh, my my uh, poultry and fish um, and meat um, also at least at least a month probably two three months in advance but I had given deposits for all that way in advance. Uh, let me take a phone call. I believe Brooklyn waiting for over forty five minutes. Thank you for waiting. I think it's Shmuel in Brooklyn. You have a question for any of our guests? Is Gary from Brooklyn. Gary from Brooklyn, go ahead. How are you, Zeth? First of all, thanks so much for having me on another phenomenal program. I was on the week before Pesach, um, and I was a guest at that. Sinai Rubin had mentioned that 2021 program. I was there. Um, she had asked me my experience. I don't really go into detail. Um, and there's a lot of people in my inner circles know my experience that 2021 pays off. Um, and they asked me after this happened, how does this keep happening? And one of the things that I mentioned was it's impossible to get the word out. And I mean, what I mean by that is as follows. Some of the Jewish news sites, if you try to leave a comment about what happened to pays off. And I'm very, when, when I came on your program last, I didn't accuse Hashi of anything. When I came on, I said, please seek out a former guest, investor, or um, vendor to ask about Hesse Goldstein. I didn't want to come on and accuse. And I'm the same way when I leave a review. I'm very meticulous. I'm very detailed. And I want to make sure that anyone knows what's going on. And I tried leaving comments on, um, like, for example, on Zev, you had that uh, YouTube video put out. I tried leaving a couple of comments. They were pulled down. Um, Hesse actually pulled down his BBB business so that nobody can leave a BBB review. By the, by the way, if you left a comment on my YouTube channel, I did not take anything down. Has she, has she, I believe has she requested I do, but I have not taken anything. Correct. I believe he probably reported it. And I'm just going in the flow of how can somebody get the word out if there's something bad happening within the community? And I try, and, and, and I've spoken to, to a vendor who was, um, who got a, bound, a bounce check from Heshi. And I asked, well, how come vendors don't um, go out and tell the world about them. They said they don't want to admit they were beat. Now, my question for you, Donnie Ford, a pastor of listening, you had a phenomenal website. I, um, 2022 last year was very helpful for me in finding a program um, that I attended to uh, last year. 
Um, and this year, again, looking around, I was able to find a different program that I wanted to attend. But Donnie, I ask you, you have a section on your site with reviews. And after 2021, I left a review for Heshi's site. The next morning, I received an email response from Heshi directly telling me these things aren't true. This wasn't true. This was true. And I'm thinking to myself, if this is a re- – now, I understand that you obviously have partners within these Pesach programs because you have to um, you know, hold up the advertising side of it. But the review section, when somebody leaves in, I left an honest review that wasn't really slandering him, just to give a general idea that there is riffraff in the air. And that review wasn't even posted. It was sent to Hesky to approve, and Hesky, of course, did not approve, and it never went on. You do have a review section. Can you talk a bit about your review section, how somebody can actually leave a review um, and discuss the, and their, their experience at a PESA program so others can potentially be informed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we have a triple verification system for reviews. Yussi knows this. He's been a, a partner of mine for many years as well. You know, number one, first of all, Gary, reviews don't get posted if people put up fake names or fake email addresses. So right off the bat, um, if the email address is invalid and that maybe have, could, could have been the case here in the, in the sense of anonymity, uh, that can be the reason why review is posted. Secondly, right, we look at the review. We have a whole team here that looks at actual review and to ensure that the review is valid, right? A lot of, there's, you know, as you can imagine, there's a lot of trolls out there. There's a lot of people that want to, you know, bash, you know, other programs or bash people, right? Specifically, again, you know, we, we're not, we don't operate as a complaint forum. We want to get the truth out there in an honest, constructive manner, right? Um, and so for, you know, for us, we look at the, the validity of the review and we make sure, you know, if it, especially if it's a positive or negative, review. it doesn't have to make a difference if it's a positive or negative review, even if it's a positive review, we look at it as well to make sure that it's not being posted, for example, by, uh, you know, a current affiliate or current program, et cetera. Um, yeah, I could take a look back at the review specifically, Gary, but, you know, one reason or another, right, has nothing to do with, um, you know, whether an owner wants it up there or not. We've, I'll tell you, I'll give a good example. I remember, you know, years ago, it was a negative review. A program owner came to us and said, hey, you know, please remove me, remove the review or he will not advertise with you. You know what I said? Here's your money back. And I paid, you know, paid his money back. And, and I said, we're keeping the review because we, we validated the review. It was a negative review. It was up there and stayed up there, right? This, you know, again, you know, we, we came into this business, right? Because we've been going on pace up programs for many, many years and we want the truth out there. We want the honest opinion of people of how truly the food is and the programming is and, you know, of these people who potentially, um, you know, are, are scam artists and take people's money, unfortunately, right? But, you know, in terms of your review, again, I don't know exactly what was on, what was, you know, up there or what was said or not said. But again, you know, we're not looking to, you know, uh, you know, uh, criticize, or we, we want to criticize a program, but improve upon a program how they can make it better in a way that's, that states the facts. A lot of the times people put emotions right in this or embellish ideas, right? Our whole goal is to get the facts and the truth out there of what the pros are and what the cons, on, uh, cons are there. We're not trying to put embellished facts or kind of put other things on there. So again, you know, we validate things. We ask for proof and evidence that first off, the person was on the program. That's the last third verification system that we do in terms of were you on the program, were you not? We verify that. We do a very, very detailed job on that as well. So um, for a good question and keep on going. Can I, can I respond? Go right ahead. 30 seconds. So we're going to have to move on. Go Thank ahead, you, much, Donnie. Um, I, I was not asked to verify. I was not. Um, look, I have all the proof and everything like that. Nobody responded to me. And what's more interesting was 
his listings never had any reviews. I can't imagine that any of his programs, any of the two programs that he threw, never had anybody trying to make comments about them. Uh, can I can I talk to Gary for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Gary, hi. I, I heard you on the on the last time. Um, I, I would love to hear actually what 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 you thought of the program. And um, I I know that afterwards there were a lot of rumors and there were a lot of um, I, I know that there were people came to me afterwards that were hired by somebody else and they had bounced checks or anything else. And there were allegations that I wasn't paying them. So do no, you I, have any? I, I, I saw firsthand how you were kind of messed over by Heshi uh, with last minute filling those rooms. Um, and it definitely affected the program negatively. What the, the bounced checks and the, the stiffing of the vendors happened in 2022, which he was at the Cartwright last year. Um, in 2021, I, I cannot speak to if he bounced any checks or um, messed over any vendors from 2021. But what I can speak to was the guest experience. And after talking to you at the program and speaking with Hefty for numerous hours at the program, I can probably vouch and say that the fault was majority to blame on Hefty. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for your phone call. Let me turn to Ilan. You've have, have you had any complaints prior to this Pesach program? Regarding, um, not so much about Heshi. Um, <clears throat> whenever someone you know comes up to me, and we'll, yeah, we'll definitely um, speak to the operator. You know, again, we've had scan scandals before where there's been um, you know people were canceled or, and I'm not going to say specifics. People know a few years ago there was a program also, and um, yeah, people were. I don't know if you never know what happened with the, with the with those victims, but we do we do need to. And this this is why Zev is doing this, and why all of us are you know putting it out there is that people should know and uh, be aware of it. So whatever the case happens, I don't think uh, Heshi will be doing another program again. Can, can I add to this in terms of just following up on what you were just saying? Don't go right ahead. Yes. So here, here's actually, here's my concern. And I think this is what the concern needs to be. There's no end to the amount of people that are looking to invest in a, in a, in a Pesach program and to sort of join. They think that it's the greatest thing to invest in. Everybody makes a fortune. It's easy money. And so he will find other investors, which is why this keeps happening. Because even after you, he's never used the same investor twice. He keeps finding new investors. If this doesn't get stopped at a law enforcement level, there will be another Pesach program. There'll be another investor and somebody else is going to lose a few hundred thousand dollars. Second of all, there's always guests who, regardless of any reviews that are going to get posted on any site, they're going to look for a program they can go to. They're not necessarily going to believe anything that they've heard, or they may not have heard stuff. And he will succeed in running more programs. This is not the first time that he's failed a program. It's not the first time that things have gone wrong. But he can reinvent himself a 100 times over if it's not really, really stopped. And he will reinvent himself. So, I mean, I, I could tell you just firsthand, half the people that listen to, to whether it's your first show or people who have just saw his videos, I had people coming to the program, half of them here thought that he was scammed and were crying out for him and saying how horrible it was. And half the people thought that he was the scam. So he's done a decent job of spinning it. Now, maybe, maybe everybody should be thinking that he was scammed and he will have the proof and he will end this conversation tomorrow when he sends proof of hundreds of thousand dollars 
of having disappeared from him. I don't know. He might have it. Great. And then this whole thing gets shut down. But if he doesn't show that hundreds of thousands of dollars were wired to, to some location, and therefore he is the scam, he still managed to convince 50% of the people that, that, that they should feel sorry for him. People who, he's done a good job of that. And there are also people, the entire Hasidic community for the most part, and I don't want to, I don't want to, well, uh, say specifically that, you know, in terms of how a community reacts, but, or, you know, what, what media they look to, but I don't think the bulk of the Hasidic community, let's say, for instance, is listening to this show or going on to Passover listings, because if a group of people are not going online for reviews, and again, I misspoke when I said entire Hasidic community, so I apologize for that. We a large amount, listeners a large amount of health. certain communities don't look to the internet for their source of material. And so, therefore, they're not going to hear about this. And he yeah. can open up a program tomorrow, cater to that community, and and therefore manage to do this all over again. Well, you know, I, I'd say, let's I'd make sure one, that doesn't happen. I'd, I'd say one thing. I mean, obviously, look, I think there's a lot of people out there, you know, um, that try to make that not happen. You know, see, I mean, you know, we 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 started this to make sure it doesn't happen on the good and the bad, right? We want to make sure people understand who they are, and that's why we have a. Uh, a wonderful Facebook group called Passover Program Reviews and a website to, to enable this. I don't know if Gary's still on, but I did have a chance to take a look at his review that he wrote in 2021. Um, but there, there's a reason why it wasn't approved, right? With with words across drug and sex addicts and things like that, uh, I'm not going to get into right now. But, you know, obviously, again, you know, our whole goal is is to really to eliminate the fraudsters, and to promote the, the programs that are that are wonderful and do well and that people want to attend. I mean, people, like you said, Yassi, I mean, I mean, everyone's spending th- thousands of dollars and in, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars to go away. Right. They want to um, they save up all year around. They want to go away. They want to have a wonderful time and they need, you know, a basis of where to to look to. Right. And that's and that's kind of, you know, how we operate. And and we try to, you know, we you know, like I think across the board, you know, you, 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 you know, there's, there, there hasn't, you know, the, again, you know, there's a, there's over a hundred programs every single year, right. That, that occur um, for Pesach. Right. And, and thank God, fortunately, right. You know, there hasn't been right. Um, and there shouldn't be, you know, any, any scams, you know, that happen any year. Right. So then that's what everyone tries to avoid the whole community. I'm just saying that there, there are segments of the population that are not, going to know about what's going on um, because they don't necessarily you know, have smartphones or they're not using the internet. And unless this happens on a law enforcement level, I do not believe that there is a way to stop this from happening again. You could change your names. You could have people stand in in front of you. There's so many different ways to be hiding what you're really doing unless law enforcement gets involved. I don't think that there is any other answer. This will happen again. We're looking at the Pesach debacle of 2023, and we're looking at, is it, was it a fraud? Was he the victim? Were people victimized? Our final stretch when we come back, we're speaking to Elon Kornblum, Great Kosher Magazines, and Donnie Schwartz is Passover Listings, and Yossi Zablocki is Destination 613, runs for the last 15 years, not just Pesach, but around the years, including cruises, and Sinai, Ruben is an investor who invests over, and his group invests over $700,000 in Heshi Goldstein's previous programs, uh, not this year, but previous programs. We're going to.
listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. And we're back, our final stretch. We're looking at what happened in Atlantic City, where over a million dollars was lost and people missed out on a pace of program. Is it fraud? Is it the person who ran the program? Was he defrauded or is people being frauded? We have a very interesting and important panel, Elon Cornwell and Greg Kosher, magazines, and we have Donnie Schwartz, Passover Listings, Yossi Zablanki, Destination 613, and Sonia Rubin is an investor uh, with Ari Hospitality or his predecessor group and uh, invests over $700,000. We have a lot of people calling in, so please let's get to briefly to the point. Let's go first to Judge David Kornblum. Judge, how are you there? I am good. Kornblum, not Kornblum. Elon is Elon. in this conversation. I wanted to make you, uh, I wanted to make you related. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we are not. But yeah, I certainly but I want to say, want to say I wanted to thank you. It was great spending Pesach with you. I enjoyed being with you. Yes, it was, it was my pleasure as well. And uh, first, I want to compliment some of your guests. Elon does an amazing job hosting all of his social influence. And uh, as much as I saw a beautiful program at VIP, I also will compliment Yassi Zablaki because I was on his program at the end. Uh, and he did an amazing job and uh, and really put together a program that had a very eclectic group and very... From people to people who were less from, uh, the food was delicious. The programming uh, with Zev Renner and Dov Heikin and David Cohen on his rabbinical staff, Rabbi Weber, he did an amazing job putting that together. And, of course, Passover listings is, is the chronicle that everybody would use for purposes of being able to know where to go. Uh, so with all those compliments being stated, I w- I'm going to just say one thing. And I appreciated what Yossi said earlier insofar as a lot of the Hasidic, especially the Hasidic um, Participants in Pesach programs don't generally go online and they don't have smartphones. But I think that it's really important for society that the characters such as this, and I don't know the perpetrator, if he is a perpetrator, anything about him, but that this does get into the papers. I couldn't open up a Jewish press, a five-pound Jewish Times, a Jewish Star, or the Views, or any of the other chronicles without seeing the Claridge Hotel uh, I even was piqued my interest because I knew that Rabbi Galat was one of the scholars in residence, and I think the world of Rabbi Galat from the Young Israel Woodmere and from South Nashua, Nassau Medical Center. I think it's important that this, there are tour operators who know this individual and knows that he's running a program that while it's being advertised, that they come out. I don't think that that's Lush and Hara, but I, I, I'm not a rabbinical expert, I would say, insofar as the law. I think that there is some type of not mandated reporter necessarily, but some kind of moral duty to come out and say, I know this individual, whether he owes me $9,000 or I've had experience with, experiences with him in the past, that and I know that be, this is have a lot not of people calling. Judge, we'll let them yeah. respond to you. That's, a lot of people that's my point. You may, good, yeah. good, good, we're going to have you on for a future program, by the way. Okay, okay thank you. Anybody want to respond? Elon or anybody? I mean, I agree with him. I, I, I can tell you why people don't know. And I, I, I obviously consulted with my rabbi before I came on. You know, obviously after Pesach, I just everyone should take a minute and, you know, just understand why we're celebrating Pesach. Jews coming yes. together. And, you know, not to make this about Lashon Hara, not to make this about destroying people. Um, these are human beings, they have families, they have kids. Um, and just everyone should just bear that in mind. The reason why I even agreed to come on was because I felt like uh, Heshi was 
coming on to try to gain the credibility. Um, and the fact is that a lot, a lot of people out there are, are, are feeling some kind of symptom. The fact is that there were 500 people that didn't have anywhere to go because this was allowed to go on too long. I was contacted by the media. I was contacted by Fox. Yes. And, and I, actually, I, I actually had been in touch with all the, the investors and we reached out to the attorney general. We spoke to the FBI um, and we kind of have everything, you know, what, what's been going on with Hashi. Is, um, is the FBI investigating? So obviously, you know, they're not allowed, allowed to tell me anything. I, I, I have spoken to um, a friend of mine who put me in contact with the field agent in New York, um, who's aware of what's going on. Um, and, and there's one thing that I want you to know a little bit um, about uh, what happened. Um, there, there was no accountant. Very, very important nuance. You know, he's talking about that they had an accountant. The FBI wasn't aware of any accountant. So without telling me, they kind of told me, but um, obviously they're, they're not going to have anything writing. The state attorney general of New Jersey also has not been contacted. And there's a reason why um, he's never had insurance before. And these programs have been set up to kind of fail. If he had insurance, there would be some kind of criminal or civil um, something against him at this point. So he can't have insurance because he would be investigated. We have a lot of people calling him. And by the way, he said in this program, if people would have taken out in travel's insurance, they would have been insured. I spoke to people that actually took out the insurance and they were not covered. It only covers if you're sick and can't go on the program. But if you, the program is canceled, you're not covered. Let's go to Lisa in Brooklyn. Thank you. Your question or comment. Go ahead, Lisa. Okay, so um, I was supposed to be on this program. And, um, you know, I'm just... Just, actually, it was my third time I was supposed to be with him. And, um, you know, I, I was with him over Hanukkah. And I was with him two years ago. I, Baruch Hashem, had a very positive experience. Um, and I, Baruch Hashem, was also able to get back majority of my money because I did it with a credit card. And when I disputed the charges, thank God my credit card gave me back majority of my money. Now, my question is, what what did the I, I was lucky Baruch Hashem to make other arrangements. So what did what did people do in the end of Pesach? You know because you know if someone paid money to him, how did they have the money to make other arrangements? Well, some people did, but Elon, maybe you want to comment on that because you know. Yeah. So in our chats, I would say a few went to Yossi's uh, program. A few went to uh, the Armin in Connecticut. Um, most stayed home. You know, and uh, they're looking to recoup their money. So maybe, you know, they had a little bit more and some people were able financially to to go away and hopefully get their money back. But majority stayed home. But we were able to find a few people to go to in Connecticut, um, upstate. So a few people were able to go away. Most stayed home. All right. Does that answer your question? Right. So, and also, I want to like, like, you know, I know this is not the first time he's running a Pesach program. I mean, obviously, it's a horrible, horrible thing that happened. But like, he has run other successful. Be doing Pesach programs. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's run other successful 
you know, programs where people are happy. Like, why? Like, what changed from now to then? That's so let, my let me turn to Sinai because he was an investor. You were impressed with his Shabbos program, seemed to have done better than his Pesach program. Is that well, correct? Sinai? Uh, uh, he did three programs. Okay. I was the first. He did one last year in which he claimed that there were a couple of uh, vendors that Phil he was negotiating with. But he didn't mention that there was at least another $300,000 investor. Um, and Heshi, uh, you know, you know, you should you should come on and 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 speak the truth. I'm talking to you specifically. Um, I think you should come on and face this. Um, you stop lying to people. Um, and every single year that you've done this, you've hurt people, and you need to stop. Eliza, thank you for your phone call. We're gonna we're gonna have to move on. Let's go to uh, Naftali in Brooklyn. Naftali in Brooklyn, you have a question or comment? Go ahead, can Naftali. Yes, yes. Thank you for having this program. I haven't gone on a Pesos program, but I will say I was very surprised by the lack of contriteness. Uh, I think anyone who would have been scammed would have felt for the victims and, as uh, Ilan was saying, would have apologized. I guess what I'm worrying, uh, you know, thinking about for two things. First of all, I think the U.S. attorney, the federal government might actually, this might have been federal crime if it involved wire fraud, uh, bank fraud, interstate wires, things that were done any sort of communication. So besides going to local enforcement and the FBI, I think the federal government, on the other hand, then they act the reason why not everyone's joined the WhatsApp group. Is this probably a bunch of people who really don't want to get involved in any sort of court case or have their names bandied about? So this is a very delicate situation. And what seems to me, my sister used to tell me she would go on programs when the family had to serve. The person ran the program. They did order the food, but there were no waiters. There were no cooks. And, uh, you know, there has to be some central repository, some ability to keep these on. Un- if he is unethical, we really don't know. But to keep unethical operators out of this business because it's fraught for, you know, it, you know, people taking advantage of unsuspecting consumers. So congratulations to you and the team for bringing this to people's attention and they have to be very careful before they select an anyway, operator. Thank you, Anybody want to comment on that? Thank you for your phone call, Naftali. Anybody want to comment? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying, right? I think I think it's super important to kind of get the word out there. I mean, you know, in the past, you know, there was debacles in Mexico. We've seen, you know, prior years where people where money was taken, and, you know, other debacles and, you know, name changes and things like that. And that's why I think social media is a huge um you know, advantage there, you know, websites uh, are, are very big to get out there. But, uh, you know, people who've been on these programs are able to kind of talk about what they're like, you know, and, and you know, who ran it and then how long they run it for. So I think it's it's probably the most critical thing out there. I want to take one or two phone, or emails before we close up. Yossi writes, has she released a video defending his reasoning for participating in the high-end Pesach program in South Africa this year, Pesach. He claims a stranger he never met heard his story and felt bad for him booking and paying for tickets for himself and family. Can you please have Heshi back on to clarify or dispute some of these allegations? And I, I have to say that I did contact Heshi three times this week. I invited her to come on this program and uh, to participate. And I said the optics looks bad um, when you're in South Africa, whether somebody paid for it or not. And According to what I've heard from some of my sources, there seems to be an individual who was unaware of anything with happened with the past years that actually put up $10,000. That's what I was told. Again, uh, so we paid for the tickets. About the program itself, who sponsored that, I can't tell you. Heshi is welcome. We're happy to have him on to 
He was on once before. We'd love to have him back on again. Uh, here's another email question. What allows people in our community to get away with fraud? Is the public misplaced fear of speaking out loud have something to do with it? Uh, I guess, yes, you Sorry, Zev? Yes. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, could you repeat that? We, Sylvia writes, what allows people in our community to get away with fraud is the public's misplaced fear of speaking lush and horror, which results in new victims of the same purpose every year. I thought the Torah teaches us that lush and horror should be spoken about some to prevent victimization of new people. That's the full question. Um, look, I think, I think I'm very careful with anything that I'm saying here to only talk about specific facts because I don't want to be speaking specific lush and horror, which is why I spoke about specific judgments that are in fact um, confirmed. I think, I, I don't know that it's so much that people don't want to be talking Lush and Hara. I mean, it'd be nice if that's what everything, you know, why everybody was avoiding saying things, but I, I don't think that's it. I think that people are just involved in their own business. They don't necessarily know um, what's going on. They don't necessarily know that how easy it is to do this to another group of people in a year from now, in six months from now. And there's a lot of people in the world. There's a lot of vendors that you could take money from. If you, if you don't get meat from one vendor, you'll get it from another vendor. There's a lot of bakeries you could take money from. If you don't get the food from one baker, you'll get it from a different bakery. You know, there's so many advertising agents that you could, you know, make promises to. There's just a, the world is a large place. And so if you screw over a certain number of people, there'll be more people that you could find. I don't think it's so much of a, only of a Jewish thing. Unfortunately, this happens around the world, many industries. Um, we don't like to hear it, and it's, it's disgusting when it does, but you know, we're not immune um, to, to these, these disasters. And so you know, we try to make, you know, um, make it public, but if someone wants to screw someone and, and steal from them, they're going to do it. It's called affinity targeting. That's what it's called. And it happens. Is that, is that, is that, I, I can speak a little bit about this. Um, you know, while this was going on, I kind of saw, saw it unfold in front of me. Um, and, you know, there were rabbis there. There were people that I respected there. Um, and a lot of my staff, like I had maybe four or five staff that were close to me and then about 15 administration. Um, a lot of the upper members of administration that were working on it for several months full time, they all knew what was going on. Um, but there's a certain trust that you just have in the Jewish community that you don't necessarily sign the proper legal, at least in my case, I can't speak for other people, but I am, I'm currently speaking to the investors as we speak. Um, they all felt that um, they weren't going to go public with this uh, due to the fact that there was, there was two reasons. One is they just didn't want to defame him. And they felt that if it was a one-off thing and he kept, uh, hosting successful events, they might eventually get paid back. What they didn't realize was he was taking on a new investor and that old investor, the new investor was paying off with credits or with vendors, he was paying off the older, uh, the older investor. So the reason so was... The new investor that, didn't realize that the money he was putting up, which he thought was for this program, was some of the money was being used to pay past vendors. Right. So, so, so the vendors can't go after him uh, 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 civilly because for them, just to retain an attorney is about ten, fifteen thousand dollars, and he automatically. He, every event has a new Ari Hospitality, Ari Tours. Every event has a new uh, LLC. The LLC is prepared to, to close down, and the investor end, ends up taking it to the Bezdin of court, and ends up not going public. 
there's a certain trust that you have in the Jewish community just because someone's in the community um, that you wouldn't necessarily have in the outside world. So I, I definitely think that it affects the Jewish community. But there is a thing of Lashon Hara, there's a thing of trust. So um, everyone has to know how to, you know, spread that balance. Anyway, our goal and our purpose was us to shed light on the situation. We're presenting different perspectives. At the end of the day, there has to be an adjudication. The people have to be made whole. That's over a million dollars just from the Pesach program in Atlantic City. So I want to thank our panelists and forgive my voice. I want to thank you, Elon Kormlu. I know you weren't afraid to speak up and you advocated on behalf of people who lost money. Some of them saved a whole year to go away for Pesach and they ended up staying home. And it's not easy. If it's a Shavuos program or Hanukkah program that's canceled, there's one thing. Pesach is a whole different situation. So people were hurt by it and affected by it. I know you advocated for them. So thank you for being here with us and great publication, great kosher restaurants and continue your good work. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Donnie Schwartz, I want to thank you for your help in putting together a previous program. Passover Listings is the comprehensive guide. Anything Pesach, you got to check out PassoverListings.com. Donnie Schwartz, thank you for being part of our program. Give us some insight from your perspective of what transpired. Thank you. And Sonia Rubin, I want to thank you. I know it wasn't easy. You know, you were had invested with a group $700,000. It's a lot of money. I know that you're still going and trying to get your money back, and you haven't given up on doing Pesach programs, right? Oh, no. Okay. You'll keep us. But I assume you're not doing with Heshi for the next one. We'll see. America loves a good comeback story, right? All right. If you do or you don't, keep us informed. But thank you for being part of us. And yes, he's a blocky. I'm not going to say goodbye to because not only is he the owner of Destination 613 and had a very successful basic program, which we participated in the Hudson Valley Resort, Catskills, but he's also a criminal defense lawyer. He lives in Israel, and he knows about judicial reform. He's going to join Rabbi Professor David Flato to talk about. So, Jen, thank you for being part of our special broadcast tonight. Have a good night, guys. Hey, thank you, everybody. It's always a pleasure to be on with you. You remind me of my background, my old neighborhood. I love listening to your show. And sometimes we disagree, but often we agree. Be sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels. Thank you for tuning in to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast, the pulse beat of the Jewish community. For continuous Jewish programs, talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms, or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to thetalklinenetwork.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.